life, that God is a life giver, that when you breathe and you walk around, that is life. And before you think that that's nothing big, you just try to go breathe life into something, right? Like your cell phone when it dies, you just breathe into it and see what happens. It's so significant that God gave us life. But we said it's more than that. He gave us a 2.0 life as well, saying that he wants you to have life and life to the full. Not this existence where you just kind of walk around and you just go through your day and you just make it, but he wants your life to thrive. And if you're here this morning and you're like, you know, I almost believe that that can happen. I almost don't believe it can happen. God says this morning in his word, 2.0 living is for you. I want your life to thrive. Be full of my spirit. Something way more than going to your job, coming home, dealing with chores, whatever, that kind of thing. But he also said there's a 3.0 life. We talked about that, that there is this heaven eternal that waits for you. And whatever wonderful stuff we might imagine on earth, their experience on earth, even through the Holy Spirit, it will be nothing compared. In fact, we said when you get to heaven, that your greatest moment, your greatest memory on earth, it's going to be eclipsed just like that being in heaven, this 3.0 living. God is a life giver. And we moved from there and we talked about God is a guide. He guides us, saying that it's not just that he wants to impart life on you and say, here you go, now run with him, figure it out, and don't, don't screw it up. But he said, now I'm going to guide you. I'm going to walk with you every single day. And we read about in the book of Acts where he imparts his Holy Spirit onto us to say, I'm here now, my spirit, to guide you, to be in your life to walk with you, to convict you. And we talked about how it guides our life. And that there's moments in life uh, where it's much like walking down a trail where as you're walking and you're on the trail, you do a really good job, but when you get off the trail, you run into a little bit more difficulties. And often in our life, when we look off the trail, that's where we think the adventure is, the excitement is, the thrill is, until we get out there and we experience what is out there and it's, it's not quite the same. But God guides us. He keeps us walking on that path. And we said church, being in the body of believers here at Windover Hills, that's part of the journey that God uses. That's part of the guiding God wants to use in your life. When you rub shoulders, when you worship each week, when you get challenged through his word, he's using that. And so we talked about how significant church is to that guiding as well in your life. But then we moved on in the next week, and we talked about how that guiding, do you know what it's actually doing? We said, the God I wish you knew transforms you. And that it's not just he wants to walk you down a trail so he can lead you on the leash like, you know, like you're his dog, but that he wants to transform you. He wants to make you something different and something new. If you're sitting here this morning and you're locked into a life of addiction, there's something, maybe people know, or maybe you like, you're keeping it under wraps, totally hidden. You know what God says? I want to transform your life. I want to transform that addiction. I want to make you into somebody totally different than you see yourself today. And he does that when he gives us life and he guides us and then he transforms us. And we talked about how does he do this? How does he stick with us all the time? Because if you're like me, I fail and I blow it and I mess up. And at the end of the week, even as your pastor, there's sometimes I go like, man, now I'm going to get up and preach. And you know, and I was like, blew it this week. Why? Because he loves unconditional. When we talked about it, we said there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do in your life that can make his love increase or his love de- decrease. It is what it is. He loves us that way. And so because he gives us life, because he guides us, because he transforms your life, and he does this because at his core he loves us unconditionally, we talked about last week that he is the anchor for your soul. 
that you can anchor into him. That at times in your life when, when things aren't going so well or the trials come your way or thing, you're just hating what's going on, that you can hold on to the anchor that is Christ because the anchor holds. We talked about Job and Jeremiah and how they endured incredible hardships yet declared the praises to God throughout their life. And Jeremiah, mighty praise, mercies new every morning at the end of, of his journey. And so weaving through all of this, there's really only one thing we want you to walk away with. There's just one key core thing, and that's this. That's for you in your life to declare you are God. To declare that, to own that, to live that. Will you say it out loud with me? Do you mind? Say it. You are God. You are God. Okay, that's pretty good, um, but uh, not really good at all. So let's say it uh, one more time. Ready? Yeah, that's really what is the key to this whole series, that we want you to walk away declaring you are God. Again, if you've been in church all your life, that's like, eh, you know, I believe that. I, I live that. I, you know, I own that. Let me tell you about um, a second baseman I had when I was coaching college baseball. Uh, he was on the team. In fact, he was a pretty good player, actually, a starter when I showed up to uh, start coaching the team. A pretty good player. Um, so I would say you are a baseball player. I mean, you are on the team. You're part of this, Right? But what I noticed from this guy is that that's kind of where the identity of the baseball player ended for him. He was on the team. He's pretty good, natural ability. Then we started working, right? Then we started going at it. Then trials started coming because we hit like a nine-game losing streak there at the beginning. Things started coming our way. Then we started talking about some changes that we were going to do and how we were going to do it and try to just transform swings and bunt strategies and things like this that we were working through were totally different than they had been doing. And guess what? I had a little bit of struggle with this player. In fact, I had a struggle for a long time with, with this player on that. Ne- never really bought into that whole concept of what we were doing or how we were doing it. More importantly, never bought into the concept that he was something so much more if he could just kind of get in line and roll with it. When I think about this, you are God, the danger for many of us believers is to declare that statement just verbally and we walk on and we live our lives however we want. And the whole time God is saying, look, I have so much more for you. I can make you into this. I can lead you to this. If you'll let me change the strategy that you've been doing on your life up till now, I got something amazing for you. And so this morning, our, our declaration is, you are God. And our, I really feel like this morning that what God wants you to say is, you are God some level even deeper than you believe it or feel it right now. So it might take a little bit of, uh, of ingenuity here this morning for you to just be in touch with what God might be speaking to you or talking to you about. Now, one of my memories in this series, uh, as we've been walking through it, it's a 12-week series. We took a little break there, you know, to do a capital campaign. But uh, it's a 12-week series we've been walking through. And one of my memories, and one of my greatest memories, has nothing to do with being in church on Sunday morning in this series. I was over at my office at Chick-fil-A, and I was kind of working through uh, the, the finale. It was several weeks ago, and I thought, I'll put together an outline for the finale. I'll come back that week and kind of write out a sermon, and I, I do that for, for most of our sermons. And so as I was sitting there walking, walking through it, I thought, I, I want to come up with like some really like succinct phrase, some definitive phrase that would say, this, like in, in our contemporary understanding, this is what faithfulness is which was the topic for our finale. 
And um, I couldn't come up with one. I, I was sitting there, I was batting things around, and I, um, I, I, just, I was a little frustrated. Uh, I've preached on the faithfulness of God over and over and over again. But I couldn't quite think of a way to describe to you definitively in one way what the faithfulness of God was like. So I just you know, ate my chicken sandwich and moved on for the day. It was Thursday, finally, after kind of praying about it and working through it, that it came up with me of that same week. And here is the phrase that came to me that I wanted to share with you this week. It's this. Faithfulness is someone keeping a promise over a long period of time, repeatedly. When we think about it just in our our context of our relationships, would that not hold true to our spouse, to our kids, to our friendships, to people we work with, our clients, things like that? Faithfulness is someone who's keeping a promise over a long period period of time, repeatedly. And the end of that is really the key. My parents were in town this week. They came for a couple days for for James's 16th birthday. And you know that later this summer, my parents will celebrate 50 years of marriage. 50 years, that's that's pretty significant. And and so when I look at that, I think that that is an example of what we're talking about, faithfulness. Now, I grew up with the couple. Okay, I lived in the same house, just down the hall, right? So I can tell you, though they definitely love each other and are committed to each other, enjoy doing things with each other more than anyone else in the world, I can also tell you about times where the volume got a little high. I can tell you about times where there was a little bit of a disagreement over things. I can tell you about times where like, I got in trouble and they couldn't agree on how to discipline with me. Those seems to be the ones that really uh, were the heated ones. So it took commitment and faithfulness over the 50 years for them to get to this day where they now will celebrate in just about a month, 50 years. And so as I look at this, um, the verse came to mind in Deuteronomy chapter 7, and it's this, therefore, you know therefore, excuse me, that the Lord your God is God. He is faithful, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. I mean, you see what God is saying here, that God is faithful. That's good. That's a nice statement. We believe this. And the descriptive way to prove it out here is to say that he is faithful to a thousand generations, a thousand generations. You've ever been in charge of something where people have to sign up on a sign-up sheet? Yeah. And they sign up and you say, okay, we're going to have 14 people here or four people here or I've got 10 workers coming. And guess what happens the day of? You don't have that many on your list often, right? And what do you say? Man, what happened? They signed up. They're not even here. You know, what's going on? Now, every time you sign up, you're going to be thinking, that's what I'm thinking. Well, it is. All right. So... God's descriptiveness in his faithfulness is he's faithful to a thousand generations. Now, I'm not even sure if you do the math on that, what that comes out to. It's not my strongest suit, so I won't try. But I would guess to say that in 10,000 years, if Christ has not returned, that you could claim the promise of this scripture that he is faithful to a thousand generations. He is faithful. He's faithful. That means he keeps his promises to a thousand generations. Faithful does not mean he'll just be present, he'll be around. He'll give you some nice cliches to memorize sometimes, you know, goes on the back of a bumper sticker, things. No, faithfulness is that he will keep his promises. 
that if he promised you something, he will keep the promises. How do we know the promises of God? We get into his word and we read his word. It's like a promise book, just page after page of promises from God. And he's faithful to keep his promises for a thousand generations. That's a pretty powerful story in his faithfulness. Another verse came to mind as we were looking at this. It comes from 2 Timothy. Now we're in the New Testament popping forward. And it says this, if we are faithless, anyone out there struggle sometimes in getting faithless? Okay, I'm the only one out there, right? I'm the only one? All right, you're a bunch of liars. We struggle when we're faithless, when we're like, I'm not quite sure in what God's saying here and where he's leading me, or, or I haven't heard from God in a while on this. I know he said it back then, but I haven't heard from a while. I'm not sure he's still doing that, or uh, if I get faithless. He remains faithful, the verse says, and he cannot disown himself. Love that last part. He remains faithful. Despite my faithlessness, despite the times where I step off of his plan or I don't quite trust that he still knows what he's doing, or maybe I trust it, but I'm like, God, it'd be okay, you know, it's like two good options, yours and mine, I'm just going to go with mine this time. He remains faithful. He remains faithful to us. Remaining faithful, he says, look, I'll still keep my promise with you. I still keep my covenant. I'll still do what I said I will do with you. The phrase came to mind of this. I want you to take a look at it. Our conduct will not change his character. You get that? Our conduct changes, right? I mean, our conduct goes up and down all the time. Our conduct, I mean, we have our weeks where we're just so walking in conduct with God, just total obedience to the lifestyle of holiness that he's called us to do and the good life that comes with it. And then we hit that week where, like, conduct just, like, goes in the toilet, right? And our conduct is not very well. And we make decisions. It's almost like, you know, that home, uh, the, the comfort food. We just feel like we need to go back to, to something, and our conduct suffers. And the whole time God is saying, look... Whatever your conduct is in life, it will not change my character. Much like we talked about his unconditional love, it will not change who I am and how I deal with you. Caution for a second. That does not mean God does not care about your conduct. Don't confuse the two this morning. God cares deeply about your conduct. You know how we know that? Boom, right back in the word again. Because he talks about our conduct. God cares about us so much that he says, follow this conduct, do this, live this way, because it just brings better life. But when we do blow it, when our conduct is out of whack, and guess what? His character doesn't change. It doesn't change who he is at all, and it doesn't change his faithfulness. Yeah, I recently talked with somebody at the gym, and we were talking about church, and I The door's not quite there to invite yet, but we were just talking a little bit about God's stuff, which is a huge step with this person. And this person led on their own, and they said, it's the first time I've heard it um, since I've been here in North Carolina, because when I moved here, I thought, well, everybody has a church in North Carolina. You know, sometimes they actually go to it. But I'm talking to this guy, and he said, yeah, I I don't know what would happen if I walked into a church. It might be some bad things that, that go on in that building. It's like the first time I've heard it. You grew up hearing that joke or saying that joke. And I'm thinking, you know what? There's nothing you could do that would change the character of God. 
There's nothing you could do that would cause, when you walk into that church, to cause him to now say, oh, you're on my turf now. I haven't appreciated your conduct, so lightning is coming down right now, or earthquake is, is happening. Besides, I mean, he loves the rest of us, right? He doesn't want to harm us. So I did not tell him that. I didn't tell him that. We can't change God's character. And so God, God is faithful. He's faithful to us. So I want to ask you this morning, and I've been... And then I've invited the, the praise team to come up, and, and they're going to sing a song which kind of seals the deal on this whole finale, this whole focus. I want to ask you, can you declare in your heart that you are God? You are God. Then don't be quick to answer there. Let me, just let it linger for just a second there before you actually say that in your head. You are God saying, look, God, no matter what, no matter what, I believe that you are faithful. Your promises are faithful, that you'll come through, that your character doesn't change, that your unconditional love is still there. I believe, I believe that's you. In fact, I think sometimes our bigger, our bigger struggle in life is not that we, that we live a faithless life sometimes. It is that we haven't bought and owned the idea that he is faithful, that he's faithful, that he can fix that if your marriage is struggling right now, that God says, I am a faithful God. I put marriage together. I created marriage. I created it for it to thrive and be wonderful in your life. And so if you would just come along with me and just trust the process, I'm a faithful God and I will heal and make whole your marriage. If you're in a situation right now where, where you're like, man, my, my finances are so terrible, I don't even know what to do this week, get food in the cupboard, I have no idea what I'm going to do with that stack of bills that are on uh, the desk at home, God says, look, I'm faithful. I've told you in my word that I will, I will provide. In fact, I spent a lot of time in my word talking about money all the way through. Just go take a look and you'll, you might be amazed how much it talks about money. I am a faithful God who says I will provide all of your needs. So just, just stay plugged into me. I'm faithful. And can I just warn you before you fully answer that question? Sometimes the faithfulness of God, often the faithfulness of God, is not on the timetable of humans. He's not on our timetable. And so sometimes our waiting causes us to say, God's not faithful. But God is always faithful to a thousand generations, and his character will not change during that time. So the question is before you, can you declare in your life you are God? Here's what I think will happen in your life if you can truly declare that. Number one, your priorities will start to change. When you say you are God in your life, your priorities will change. You'll see things like your schedule will change. You'll start prioritizing things that draw you close to God. Time and devotions, getting up and reading God's word, just getting away. I had the opportunity this weekend to go to Hanging Rock, and James had his 16th birthday, and some of these good guys down here in the front row were there the whole weekend. But I had a lot of alone time to start, and then time with a good friend, Patrick, uh, after that. And sometimes just getting away and being with God is significant. Your priorities and your schedules start to change. You start to say, I've got to be in church because, and not so I can check off a, a box, but because there's just something powerful about being there and being with other believers. So I'm going to make it a priority in my life. When you start saying, you are God, you start saying, you are God, things change, priorities change entirely in your life. When you start saying, you are God, guess what? Satisfaction, fulfillment changes in your life. 
the things that, are, that bring significant joy and satisfaction, those start to shift and to change. They move away from material things, for sure. We start to understand, no matter how much I have or accumulate, it's never going to actually bring that joy. In fact, often it brings grief in the form of bills and payments and, and whatnot as well. So, the questions before you this morning. Do you declare you are God? I'm going to invite the praise team to come uh, sing a song this morning, and it, it just is straightforward the theme of this message. In fact, it closes out this whole series, this 12-week series we've been walking through. And I just want to give you an opportunity, as we did last week, I want to give you an opportunity to solidify the deal in your life. If you have never said yes to Jesus Christ, if you've never in your life said, yes, I want to be a follower of God, I want to accept Jesus into my heart and be a Christian, this is a time. This is a time for you to surrender to God. Uh, others of you, though, I know you're believers, but you have a hard time living like you are God. He's a faithful God to a thousand generations. And you can hang on for a week or two, and when it doesn't quite work out the way you're hoping, you, you're ready to jump ship. I want to give you an opportunity to solidify, to make a declaration this morning in your heart to say you are God. So during the song, at any point, um, I want to invite you, if if you are saying, I'm making that declaration, the, the Lord has just put something on my heart during this 12-week series. He has impacted me. He has challenged me in some area. And he's saying, if I will put that into practice, he's already faithful. I want to invite you as the praise team is, is, is singing just to, to stand. And the words won't be on the screen. You may not even know the song, but it's simple enough. If you want to pick up and sing, you're welcome to. But I want you, just on your own as the Lord leads, to make your declaration, you are God to stand with us this morning. You're always welcome to come to the altar as well and to, to pray and to, to leave something here as well. So would you go before the God, make your declaration if he's calling you to that.